Hello, internet, and anyone listening. I'm Angelique, and this is episode 10. That's right, one zero, episode 10 of Read Your Heart Out. And you did hear that cute little tinny theme in the beginning correctly. We are talking about our boy, the one who lived, the chosen one, Mr. Harry Potter. I am so excited to be talking about Harry Potter today. This one is going to be the weirdest kind of structured podcast episode that I have so far because we're only talking about one book and I'm not going to like go super in depth into the story or anything because I think that's a little redundant at this point. Majority of people already know the story of Harry Potter. Maybe not the nitty gritty details once you get farther in, but overall we all have a good grasp of Harry's arc, Harry's story, his villains, his friends, all those good things. So for this episode, we are just going to highlight some awesome aspects of the Harry Potter universe that I really enjoy book-wise. We can talk about movies a little bit towards uh, the end, maybe, because this is a book podcast, everyone, so we have to focus on the books and the the magic between the page, not necessarily on screen, but besides that, I'm going to go over some of those questions that I asked you on Instagram, um, your houses, your favorite books or movies, your favorite characters, and your favorite relationships. And I got a good variety of answers, which is really cool. So I'm pretty excited to share that with you guys as well today. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and throw the spoiler alert, spoiler warning out right now because obviously it'll be impossible for me to talk about Harry Potter without getting into spoilers. So without further ado, let's jump right into the magical wizarding world of Harry Potter and talk about one of the most popular and influential fantasy series of all time. All right, so to get this episode started, I think the easiest thing to do is to go over all the books and how I feel about them. I did not read Harry Potter when I was a child. I tried when I was in about like fourth grade, couldn't get into it somehow, which makes really no sense to me now, but couldn't get into it as a kid. Came back to it later when I was in college, so kind of into my adult years and immediately just fell in love with it. Before I read the books, I had obviously watched all the movies. Um, I was one of those people that tried to get midnight releases for all the Harry Potter movies. I loved the Harry Potter movies, but I never got around to reading the books. And then when I did, oh my God, it like opened a whole new door into my brain. There is literally a chunk of my subconscious and my brain specifically reserved for Harry Potter and all that goes along with it. So with that being said, I... I, I don't have this childhood nostalgia necessarily going along with my Harry Potter opinions, which I think can sway a lot when it comes to our favorite movies or books is the things that we loved as children. I don't have that kind of um, nostalgia aspect to it, but I have read the books completely all the way through twice. Um, and obviously I've watched the movies a countless number of times. I have been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I nerded out harder than I ever have in my entire life at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I bought a wand, I bought a robe, I chugged butterbeer like it was my job, and I literally was squealing like a little girl with every building that I got to see that just was ripped straight out of the Harry Potter universe. So I'm very much involved and invested in this universe. I love it. I know there's a joke about millennials loving Harry Potter and 
that's okay. If I fall into this stereotype, I fall into it. I am a millennial, even though I'm kind of a cusp. I'm a little bit of a zillennial more than anything else. But I am a millennial and I am a Hufflepuff, everyone, who everyone loves to make fun of us because we are emotional. No one gives a shit about us. And they think that we're just soft boys, which... I mean, you're not wrong. I kind of am a soft boy, but that's okay. I, I am very much a Hufflepuff. There's literally nothing else I could be. Maybe like 10% of me could have been a Ravenclaw, but even then, my empathy outweighs my love of read of learning and school. So that's where I am. Badgers all day, every day. I will go over everyone else's houses that I got later, but for now, let's talk about Harry Potter. The books. There are seven of them. There's eight movies, seven books, and everyone has just got these different opinions about them. I was pretty surprised. I thought that they'd kind of all fall within the same um, realm of each other, but in reality, it was pretty spread out. My favorite book, kind of by far, truthfully, is The Prisoner of Azkaban, um, followed very closely by The Goblet of Fire. I think that they're like the most exciting books in the whole series. They introduce the things that we love the most within those two books. And they're also the ones where shit hits the fan, like for real for the first time for Harry and our and our crew in a way that Voldemort no longer feels like this faraway threat. Um, not even just that, but we learn that there are other threats outside of Voldemort because we start to get into a little bit more of like the Death Eaters, not necessarily like who they are specifically, but knowing that there's a faction of people who are still very much present and very much fighting for Voldemort's cause, we're getting that kind of information in books three and four. I mean, four is the one where Voldemort just straight up comes back. And that is like this very clear turning point in our story for Harry specifically, but for everybody else, because up until this point, Harry's arc is being driven by kind of everybody else around him. He's thrust into this world. He's told he's the chosen one. He's told he's the only one to live um, after an Avada Kedavra curse. And, and he's the one who's kind of sent Voldemort packing, and or so we think, when he tries to kill him. So Harry's whole identity and arc for the first two books and then bleeding a little bit into the third is what he's learned from coming into the wizarding world. Because when we meet Harry in book one, he's literally the definition of a nobody. He is a person who lives under the stairs of his aunt and uncle's house, not even his own like family or parents. Like they are his family, but like they're not really his because they don't claim him in any way, shape or form. He is very much an outsider, very much an outcast. And so coming into the wizarding world, he is thrust from literally zero to a hundred where he was nobody. And now he is the one he's the chosen one. He's the one everyone in his life knows him and knows his story. And he didn't even know his story. And I think because we are also so used to his story and Harry Potter has been in our lexicon for so long that I think we also forget that intense shift that Harry goes through where he is just this floating person. You know, he's never felt grounded. He's never felt honestly real he probably has just had some weird psychological bs with one being an orphan losing his family whatever to the emotional and, and you probably could argue physical abuse of of um aunt petunia and uncle dursley um um all these kind of things and then he goes into hogwarts and 
The thing that the books do that the movies don't is watch his struggle with his peers, who he has not really had a lot of contact with up until this point. Because we know that the the attitude and atmosphere around Harry Potter in the world of Hogwarts and in the world of like everything else, pretty much, um, it, it shifts. It goes back and forth. These kids at these school at this school are brutal like literally brutal harry comes in he's their hero we love harry harry does like one stupid thing or somebody creates a rumor about harry in one way the entire school is like we're done with him turning on him i believe it's the fourth it's the fourth one it's goblet of fire when harry's name gets pulled and it shouldn't have been and everyone's pissed because they want to they want to like cheer on Cedric for the Hogwarts champion instead of Harry as well. And so they wear the Potter's stinks buttons. They literally bully the shit out of this kid, like straight up. We don't like go into it in the movies the way that it goes into it in the books. And that is also this huge aspect of Harry as a character is that he goes from zero to a hundred. He's nobody. He's somebody. Oh my God, I'm somebody. But then the longer he's in the world that he is somebody he starts to realize that that's not even enough for majority of people in his life because they don't care. They want you to be the idea of the somebody, but when they meet the somebody and they realize that Harry has his own goals and and aspirations and feelings and opinions, then they are like, oh, fuck you. We don't want you here anymore, which is a, a, a thing that a lot of us can experience in our lives when we try really hard to be the thing that people want us to be. And then even when we are that thing, it's not enough. It's not quite what they thought. And for Harry, this is like large scale happening all at once. So I, Harry is my favorite character. I'm just going to say that, like, we'll go over everyone's favorite stuff, but I'm just going to say Harry's my favorite character for the sole reason that he is the strongest fucking character in this entire series. Like the shit that he goes through every every goddamn book i'm like this kid should have given up on this shit so long ago and just been like f you guys if you don't want my help i'm not going to give it to you type of shit but he has this very strong real streak of of bravery and doing the right thing which is why he is such a, a gryffindor but he has that and it just cannot be tamped down and it cannot be shushed or silenced or or like left out to kind of shrivel up and die he can't ignore this thing so he decides you know even if everyone in the wizarding world thinks that i'm a liar and they hate me and oh blah 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 i'm fighting voldemort because i know the real problem isn't me the real problem is this literal fucking hitler person who's living out in the wizarding world so i just love Harry. I think he is so complex. I think he's so much more complex than like we give him credit for. And that sounds weird because Harry Potter is such a popular, very much talked about thing where like you can go online and find deep dive into Harry's psyche, into the psyche of the wizarding world, into really anything people have, have broken it apart and studied it and all this kind of thing. But again, I think that we are so used to the idea of Harry Potter being Harry Potter that we forget how fucking complicated he is. I mean, he is juggling so many different emotions and feelings and places. And like he all he really wants is to fit in and be accepted for whatever he is, not for being the boy who lived, not for being the boy who lives under the cupboards any of these things. He just wants to be Harry and he just wants people to like him for being Harry. And that's just something that really never happens because he's just thrust into this role of the chosen one. And through that, he tries to figure himself out while holding this mantle that he doesn't even really want. And 
we don't see characters like that very often. We just like, we are, we're probably used to the chosen one archetype character because we see them a lot in media, but I don't think that we're used to that chosen one going back and forth between, between, between wanting to be the chosen one and not wanting to be it because there are these moments where he feels that responsibility weigh very heavily on him. And he knows that even if he doesn't want to do these things, he has to do these things. And he's like a kid for almost all of this stuff. So like for a child to be able to comprehend that they have to hold on to these responsibilities and that even though it hurts and probably more than anything, what he wants to do is just like bury himself under his blankets and just shut the world out. He can't and he won't. And he couldn't even let himself do that. Even if the urge to do it got strong enough for him to be able to actually do it, he wouldn't be able to stop himself. So Harry is just, I love Harry. I think he's just so complicated and so complex and, and a real truer version of a hero than I think that we see a lot off more like often than we see because our heroes, a lot of times, especially those chosen one hero archetypes are just like those through and through so good, so pure, so kind type of people. And, and Harry's really not necessarily like that. Not that he's like a bad guy or has like bad streaks in him, but he's a normal person. Like he wants to live a normal life and he, he fights against the things that are thrust upon him. And we may have seen that archetype before, but again, when you're seeing it, like in the lens of a child character, it adds a whole nother dynamic to it because we all know what it was like to go through school, at least majority of us, know what it was like to go through high school and not fit in or not feel like you are being seen for what you really are, any of those things. So like Harry's plight when it comes to being at Hogwarts is so understandable. And then think about yourself when you are in that in, in that situation and think about the fact that like, oh, also every adult in the entire fucking planet of your universe thinks that you need to be the one to go kill this other guy. Like not even just having to figure out where the fuck you stand in life when it comes to school and your peers. Also, you are the only one that can help the entire universe and everything we know of reality right now. And we need you to like kind of step up to the plate a little bit, Harry. Could you just like step up to the plate a little bit? And it's like, give my boy a break. He has no structure in his life. He's never had a parental figure in his life until he gets to Hogwarts. And then all these parental figures in his life either fucking die or they're just manipulating him. So like he, by all accounts, should be a bad person. He should be an, a villain. He should be the kind of person that says, F you, I'm turning completely around doing that kind of thing. And he's not. And that's what makes Harry so good. That's what just makes him like the ultimate hero. He is just... He is always going out for the greater good, even when everyone in his life is just shitting on him 24-7. And I just have to appreciate that about Harry. His perseverance and his strength is just something that I, both times I read it, it is the thing that sticks out to me the most is Harry's just like character. Like him as his, himself is just truthfully, I think the best part of the whole series. And there's a lot going on in the series. So to say that their one character is the best part, I know that there are plenty of people out there that don't agree with me. They find great things in these all other aspects of this book. But the thread carrying through this whole story is Harry. And he should be because he's the main character. But I mean, not every time do we see a main character hold this much power and strength throughout as he grows and he and he matures. And so that aspect of Harry is literally just like why he's my favorite character Truthfully, why I love this universe so much. He's a very inspirational fictional character. 
And even in a world of magic and kind of insanity, he's a very realistic, grounded character. Like we can very much relate to Harry and and his struggles and his thoughts, even when they have to do with magic and Voldemort, like we can still understand him and we can still really sympathize with him as a person and as a character, which is exactly what you want out of a protagonist. So that was the almost 15 minute spiel about Harry Potter, about just Harry as a character. But Harry is my favorite character. As I said, Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire are my favorite books. Also my favorite movies. I do like the ending ones. Those are a lot of people's favorites, which I totally understand because they're definitely the ones that are the most satisfying to see. Um, but I think contained in and of themselves, three and four are the most exciting and dynamic books. People love those middle stories or those middle books that are just like jam packed with lore and information. And and I love lore and I love nerdy stuff, but my brain, I love books that like start to finish in and of themselves could be their own story contained and good and Harry Potter the series has those so that's why my ranking probably goes three book wise three four one okay let's think now seven five two six I just like at the end it starts to get really it starts to get really it's good and I appreciate everything that's going on but again it just feels like we are literally smack dab in the middle of a bunch of lore and it's just hard to like continue to read a book that's just like here let me just thrust even more lore and lore and lore and lore and lore and lore upon you when in reality we don't really need it it and i'm going to probably get some hate for my harry potter opinions because like i'm a huge harry potter person but i also have read a large amount of books and i've seen other fantasy series be able to do the lore thing and still keep their stories contained within one book of itself without having to read everything else to be able to read it. And, and, and Harry Potter, like I said, also does this. So like when it has those moments of complete encapsulation of a story that still is a part of the overarching story, but in and of itself can be taken, I think those are my favorite. So, and that's just me as a reader and me as my personal opinion, but okay. So that was like a quick rundown of just like what I feel about Harry, what I feel about the books, kind of all those things in general. Next thing we're going to talk about is all these side characters. Let's talk talk about the side characters who are also extremely dynamic, and I have favorites of those as well. So let's get into some side characters. Okay, side characters. So obviously I'm going to have to start with homegirl and homeboy number one, Hermione and Ron. Hermione is easily my second favorite character in this series um, because without her, this series would not exist. Uh, she arguably could have been the main character. We could have had a Hermione Granger be the Harry Potter type of character, but alas, here we are. That's okay. Behind every great man is a great woman, and Harry Potter just really nails that one home because Hermione is the reason why Voldemort is dead. If you want to play the long game, she's the reason why they do anything and get past anything in any situation with her brain. She is the most clever witch of her age for a reason, all this kind of stuff. I have seen some interesting discourse around Hermione Granger, one saying she should definitely be a Ravenclaw. I've even seen the argument that she should be a Slytherin, which 
I was a little bit like, fuck off. And when I first saw it and then I listened to their, to their um, explanation of it. And I was like, okay, I can see where you're coming from. Truthfully, Hermione is a Gryffindor um, solely because she has all of these abilities. She is so smart and talented and perceptive and willing to do what needs to be done to get her goal, which can be a little bit Slytherin-esque, but she's only doing these things for the greater good. There is really no, that's the major difference between Slytherin and Gryffindor, I think, is that maybe the things that they're doing can seem selfish on the outside, but what is the purpose driving them? For Hermione, she's not doing these things for herself. She's doing these things for the greater good or doing them for Harry. So she's doing them for someone else where if she was a Slytherin, she'd just be doing them because she wants to do them, which maybe she does want to do them and that kind of thing. But like there wouldn't be this outside goal pushing her to do something because we know that Hermione breaks rules. She's a badass bitch. She doesn't give a shit. She will do what needs to be done. She's out here second year brewing a polyjuice potion when she knows damn well she shouldn't be doing that. She's stealing from Snape. She she um, stuns Neville in the first one. Like she does things that probably are not good person things to do but again she does them for this overarching greater good which we just have to appreciate and then her arc as a person when we get later in the books and the whole idea of muggle-borns or half-bloods and pure-bloods starts to really come into play with our story and our characters Hermione goes through something that's very unique that the rest of our characters don't go through because she is especially in our trio she's the only muggle-born person because Ron and Harry are both purebloods. They're wizard-born. So when she goes through that of being completely discriminated against for being a muggle, you know, that adds this really awesome dynamic aspect of her character as well and, like, pushing her and for the reason that she does things. But, again, Hermione is just, like, so smart and powerful. And I love smart, powerful women in any way, shape, or form. And so... That's why Hermione is always like right there under Harry as my favorite character. Um, love her. Love when she, everything she does. We stand her in literally the hardest way possible. Ron. Ugh. Why did they do my boy Ron so bad in the movies? They really just didn't give him anything, did they? Because Ron is is definitely not as complex as the other two. But he also has this streak in him. Like his motivating factor for majority of the things that he does is his need to feel as accepted as other people, especially in his family. Like he does this big comparison thing that he does with his brothers. And then we see him projected a bit onto Harry with book four, because he thought that Harry figured out a way to put his name in the Goblet of Fire without telling him. And then we see it again in book seven with the Horcrux kind of driving Ron out um, of the search and he leaves Harry and Hermione. So like Ron's struggle is I think even more relatable than Harry's struggle because like Harry's whole orphan under the cupboards needs a place to be is not necessarily the most relatable thing you could be. But Ron's struggle of I'm a, I'm a sibling in this family who might not be as great or do as good things as everyone else. And I feel kind of like a disappointment or a failure. That's relatable as hell. I think majority of people can find like solace in that idea that, even though you aren't the star sibling, even though you aren't the chosen one in your group of friends, you are just as important in this machine. And your friendship and your love and your sympathy and understanding are needed for our other characters and our other people to be what they are. 
So the fact that Ron just kind of got portrayed as like a dummy in the movies never sat well with me. His only real moment of deep character involvement is in the first one and with the chess game, which is like one of the best parts of the whole movie, I think, is like those ending puzzles. And so to have him just kind of be shuttled off to the sidelines for the movies is just a little bit difficult. But I I love Ron and I love the Weasleys especially because they are they are this family dynamic that Harry has been so sorely lacking in his life for literally all of it. And so Ron willing to just always go out of his way for Harry is something that doesn't really get harped on a lot. The boy stole the, that flying car. I mean, obviously with Fred and George, who love, love Fred and George, stole that flying car to break Harry out because he wasn't hearing from him and he knew something had to have been wrong. It's like Ron is such a good friend. And I know that he kind of becomes this punching bag character sometimes, but like his whole main power is his friendship. And when his friendship gets tested, that is also important for us because we are not always going to be this 100% like full, fully realized people. And, and Ron's, Ron's main thing is his friendship, but that doesn't always mean it's going to be enough. And when in his moments of testing them, you realize how strong of a friendship he is to Harry and how strong of a connection he is to Harry. He's really Harry's only like sibling, him and Hermione, and his only real family through his, through the Weasley. So Ron is a linchpin character. He's so essential. And we kind of like, I think we forget about him a lot, but I just want to give Ron that shout out he deserves. So Hermione and Ron, this trio of Harry, Hermione, and Ron, one of the best friendship trios in all of literature and in all of fiction and all of fantasy, anything. They are just, a, they are like a staple piece as they should be. Love them. They just fucking rock, truthfully. But moving on, let's see. Let's go through um, Snape. Snape has got some very heated supporters and very heated haters out in the world. I do not like Snape. I know that I kind of talked about this a little bit in my fantasy series, Rex, when I went through my bullet points. Don't like Snape. I get the whole, there's like a, Harry Potter is a weird thing to discuss because the fan projection that has taken over this universe is a little bit intense. And I don't want to step on people's toes or hurt people's feelings, but I don't think Snape is that deep of a character as people portray him to be. Like, yes, he had that one. He has this like big streak of complexity when it comes to like his idea of being the double agent for the Death Eaters and for Dumbledore and like doing these things for like the love of Lily Potter. But I don't know. That's like not really that complex to me. It's just like that's still like a really selfish way to do things. Like he's only doing things because he loves Lily and he's just like – I'm glad that you found one thing to make you a good person. But like if Lily Potter didn't exist, then Severus Snape would just be a bad guy. Like that's the the, the bottom line. So that's why I don't really care for him. Also, let's like not forget the fact that he just bullied children for just to make himself feel better. Like there is no excuse for that. Why are you making Harry and Ron and Hermione and all of their lives like more difficult for literally no reason whatsoever? Whatever. I don't need to get into Snape. Not a big Severus Snape fan. Appreciate his sacrifices and everything he's done. But again, doesn't negate everything else he's done. So whatever. Dumbledore now. My opinions on Dumbledore have actually shifted and changed throughout time. Harry and Dumbledore used to be my favorite relationship because I think that they're super dynamic and complex. But Dumbledore's like low-key a villain in this entire series. And I don't, that's not a hot take. I've heard a lot of people say that. But he is. 
everything he does is a fucking lie. He literally lies to everyone and he manipulates everybody into doing what he needs to do. And then the Harry aspect of it where Dumbledore consistently is Harry's father figure in Harry's mind. Like from the minute that we started, Dumbledore is this like enigma character to Harry who he sees for protection, for support, for advice, for help, for any of these kinds of things. He goes to Dumbledore. Dumbledore's always that kind of number one thought in his brain. And he knows that. Dumbledore knows that. And he literally uses it to manipulate Harry continuously throughout this this story. He like lies to Harry. He pretends. He feeds into that fatherly figure narrative to kind of continue his manipulations. Like he decides to just like create the path of Harry's life by making him like not telling him exactly what's going to happen, like keeping all these things a secret. Like, I don't know, dude, Dumbledore rubbed me, continues to rub me the wrong way. The longer time goes on. And I think the older I get and the more I start to dissect other characters and other works. And I look back at Dumbledore and I'm like, Oh, that was kind of like shady, you know? And if Dumbledore didn't have whatever weird streak in him makes him a good person, he would be a bad guy and he'd be a really scary, terrifying bad guy, which I think like that's not a diss on him because I think that's what makes him complex, especially um, in comparison to Voldemort. They are these like kind of dichotomous things to each other. Um, but even then, I think that like Dumby, he needs to kind of like realize that not everyone he's not like he's playing 40 chess with real people and that's like an issue i don't <laughs> that doesn't sit right with me but that's okay dumbledore is a really awesome character though like even if he's like not the best of people because they like portray him as being like they almost portray him like gandalf um if you've read lord of the rings he's like the all knowing very wise good-natured mage wizard type of guy who becomes gandalf the white and like whites all this purity and all this kind of stuff that's like in my opinion, how they portray Dumbledore when in reality, he's not like that at all. He's like actually very complex and and has a lot of his own bullshit going on that he like wants to pursue on his own type of thing. So like, he's not exactly how they are. He is portrayed. If you dig a little deeper into him, but that's okay. Um, So let's keep going. McGonagall, I'm going to run down now because I'm talking too much. McGonagall, such a badass. When she gets to have that scene, I don't even remember if this is in the books or if it's in the movies. It doesn't matter. It's one of my favorite moments of all Harry Potter. When the Battle of Hogwarts is happening and she does that spell that like brings the knights of the suits of armor out. And she's like, I've always wanted to use that spell. I'm like, yes, bitch. That's literally encapsulating everything I love about Harry Potter where she is so strict. She's, you know, very much by the book type of person, but she's always going to appreciate the fun of magic, even when it's something like in a situation that's not that fun. She's like, yeah, that was actually fun to do. Love McGonagall. Plus her animagus is a fucking cat and I love cats. So there she goes. Her, she rocks. Um, oh my God. The Weasleys, the parents, Molly and Arthur Weasley, literal saints in this world. Love them so much. Love Fred and George so much. Love Ginny so much. I love the Weasleys. They are just like so pure and and really our main source of like home and comfort throughout the whole series. Um, let's see, Luna. Oh, Luna, I love you. You are so weird. And I love weird. Yes, be a freak. Be out there. She, Luna would be an astrology girl today. And everyone was laughing at her. And y'all would have been laughing at her. But she is literally what every astrology girl is in the best way possible. Love her. She's amazing. Um, let's see. Who else do we have? Um Oh, the Marauders, of course. How could I forget? Now, this is where I think that I shift away from a lot of, like, the main discourse around Harry Potter. 
people love the Marauders. Love them. And by that, I mean Harry's dad, James Potter. Um, you have Sirius Black. You have Remus Lupin and then Peter Pettigrew. They are the Marauders who created the Marauders map, which the Marauders map is one of the coolest fucking things in the entire series. It is one of the coolest little bits of magic we get to see. I love the Marauders map, but that's just a side note. Um, people love the Marauders, which... I totally get. I think that's a super interesting aspect of the book and and like of the whole series and the way that they are their own little friend group and they kind of all decided to become anime animagi animages. I don't even know how to fucking say that word. They all decide to be able to transfigure into animals to help with Remus, who is a werewolf. And so there's like really this cute little like friendship aspect of it as well, um, which is really cool. I love Remus more than I love Sirius Black. I know people love Sirius like. A lot, but I love Remus. I think that he's just oh, such a kind boy, such a sweet boy. Oh, he has been through shit, and he is another one of those like continuously discriminated against characters that could just like easily be bad, but isn't because of like the love he's seen through his friendships, um, growing up in life. And you know, this is again with Dumbledore. Why you got to be the way you do? Because Dumbledore did that really awesome thing of like letting Remus come and learn still, even though he was a werewolf and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, then like. Make it make sense, Dumby. Again, whatever. I love Remus. I love the Marauders. I'm not, like, obsessed with the Marauders the way the majority of the internet is. This is where, when I kind of talked about earlier with Snape, there's a lot of fan projection. The fan projection that goes along with the Marauders is really bizarre to me. Like, I don't really know where they're getting any of this shit from. There's, like, made-up lore from the internet that does not have anything to do with the books, that is, like, weirdly canon for a lot of people. And I don't know how to explain it, but I don't know anything fucking about it. And I'm not going to even try to get in there because I don't think it's necessary. They are not the main characters of our story. They're not the things that we should be focusing on. So I'm not going to. and I'm not going to waste my time doing that. But love them, appreciate them, and everything they did, I guess. But, okay, so that's the Marauders. Um see like Tonks later. I love her too. Like there's a lot of later characters, which I just like love. I love Tonks. Um, yeah, those are like a good amount of the side characters. Like, I, I mean, I think that JK Rowling as much as I fucking hate her and she's so problematic and like really grinds my gears. She's a really great character, like writer. She just like, that's kind of what goes along with Harry Potter. Why it's so big is like, while Harry could have easily just been enough to to grab and keep our attention, all of these side characters have their claws sunk into these people for a good reason. They're just so interesting. And and there's really not one like each other at all in the book. So they are also different from each other, which makes it even more feel like it's a real thing, even though we're in a world of magic and make-believe. The characters ground us completely into this world, which is you know, a praise I'll give her, but I don't really want to, but that's okay. So those are side characters. Oh my gosh, this episode's going to be long. I can't stop talking. Um, <laughs> next, we're going to go over villain characters and just like the, the big bads of this universe. Okay, so it's time to talk about our bad guys, our villains, our shady characters, and all those antagonistic people that are driving our protagonists throughout the story. So obviously we can't have this discussion without talking about Voldemort, who is interestingly just kind of this like other half of the coin to Harry. And that's because when Voldemort tried to kill Harry as an infant, when he did the Avada Kedavra curse on him that was blocked by Lily, 
he left a piece of him in Harry. So Harry contains a lot of Voldemort in him. We see this throughout the series when it comes to the wand, which um, Voldemort and Harry's wands are sister wands. And so they have the same phoenix feather inside them. They're the only two wands made from this phoenix feather, which I think is foxes, isn't it? I'm probably completely wrong about that. Wow, I shouldn't have said that. Doesn't matter. They have sister wands. There's that. We see in the second one that Harry can speak to snakes. He's got parcel tongue, which comes from Voldemort. So there's also that. And then the farther we get in, we start to realize that Harry can like kind of see through Voldemort's eyes because of this connection. Like the later books we see, we get glimpses of what Voldemort's doing because Harry is like seeing it through their connection. So there's there's also that. And then very much later, this is very much spoiler, we realize that Harry is actually a horcrux to Voldemort. So like Voldemort is and Harry are essentially linked from the very beginning. And we learn a bit more about it through the prophecy that in reality, Harry or Neville could have fulfilled this prophecy and Voldemort himself kind of chose the prophecy and fulfilled the own prophecy of his demise, which I will give you that part of of J.K. Rowling's books and this story is really fucking cool. The idea of Voldemort kind of being the, the creator of his own demise by choosing the prophecy child and by doing that kind of thing is just so interesting and I really like that. But um, regardless, so we have Voldemort and like I said earlier, there are followers of Voldemort called the Death Eaters and the Death Eaters are pretty much just Nazis. They're allegorical to them the way that Voldemort is allegorical to Hitler. And so they are just pure bad guys. And of course we do that kind of thing where like only, it seems like only Slytherins are death eaters and Slytherins are the ones that seem to become dark wizards, which is like, I don't know why J.K. Rowling did that, but that's fine. Um, so the death eaters of them, Bellatrix Lestrange is probably by far the other most notable um, recognizable Death Eater. She is so scary and very um, terrifying and just like unhinged and batshit. And that makes a really great villain a lot of the time. Um, but Voldemort is just easily the most dynamic, complex antagonist we experience throughout this whole story, as it should be. He is the quintessential big bad. We have those moments of like Umbridge coming in in the fifth book. I think she's the next best villain, truthfully, of all of it. She's just like by far causes the most pain and um, shit for our main characters. And also what makes her interesting is that she is supposed to be this like extension. That's my dog extension of the ministry of magic. So in reality, she's like the governmental structure that's supposed to be protecting our people. And she's a villain, which is like, Oh, love that as well. The government being our villain, LOL, but Voldy now his whole, thing of just being this very evil person who needs like to just completely overtake everything he doesn't want any muggle-borns he's all about that purity shit i mean it's pretty kind of obvious how much he just represents nazism and like white supremacy and all that kind of stuff um but they make him dynamic like he is a dynamic villain and the way that he bounces off harry is also really cool because they like need each other in that weird way it's almost in that way that like Batman and the Joker are this timeless villain and hero dynamic because they feed off each other and they need each other to kind of be. It's very similar to Harry and Voldemort where Harry's arc 
continues because of Voldemort the way that Voldemort's arc continues because of Harry and they bounce off each other and push each other along and are always putting each other into situations that further them as people or hinder them as people, which um, is a really awesome protagonist antagonist dynamic. And writing a good villain is a lot harder than we think it is. I think that that's a really specific aspect of storytelling that when it's not good, it's very easy to just like kind of move on from it. Like we don't really care if we have bad villains, it's like a disappointment, but it's not a hindrance to the story. But when we get them that they're good, they're like the best part of the story. Like I can't even tell you how many people tell me that Tom Riddle and Voldemort are their favorite parts of the books, which is crazy because not crazy in like a bad way. It's crazy showing how, how dynamic a good villain can be because you should by all accounts be brooding for Harry in every way, shape, or form, think Harry's the most interesting and dynamic, blah, blah, blah. But Voldemort just like, and Tom Riddle cannot be denied. And there, and his story cannot be denied of his like, one, the whole idea of him hating pure bloods, or not hating pure bloods, hating muggles and half-bloods when he himself is a half-blood because his mom, he's a descendant of Salazar Slytherin. He's very, he's very powerful in and of itself already. But his mom like tricked a muggle who she fell in love with, put a spell on him, got pregnant, had Tom. And then when the muggle came out of that spell, he was like, Ooh, goodbye. Cause his, cause Tom Riddle's mom's kind of like, I think she's like, just like ugly and gross looking, whatever. They remind me a little bit of, uh, Tom Riddle's mom and his grandpa and like their whole storyline. Cause there's like a good chunk of the books later that go into Tom Riddle's mom's life and like that kind of stuff. They're like dirty, nasty, hoarder, old people, like ugh, gross. And so she could not obviously not get a man. She falls in love with the muggle, but they're all about pure blood stuff too. And so she goes against the wishes of that and has this half blood child. And for whatever reason, Voldemort's like, okay, I'm a half blood, but I'm going to kill anyone that has any muggle blood in them at all, which I think that that's interesting the way that his psychology is just like completely ironic and he's a big hypocrite and that's just like we see that a lot with a lot of people where he's clearly projecting his own insecurities onto other people in the universe and is taking them out on the muggles and the half-bloods because he's insecure about his own half-blood bullshit but I'm not here to self-diagnose Voldemort um he's just a bad guy so doesn't really need to be done but the Death Eaters, when they come out at the Tri at the not the Triwizard Tournament, when the first mark gets shown at the Quidditch Cup in the beginning of the fourth book, that scene is fucking awesome. I think that it is so scary and creepy because up to this point, we've kind of heard um whisperings of Voldemort and whisperings of the people who still are around in support of Voldemort. But then when we're here and when we have this whole like beginning section of excitement and fun and really getting to experience the wizarding world outside of Hogwarts for the first time, besides like our trips through Diagon Alley in the beginning books, this is our first real just experience with plain wizards out in the real world, wizarding adults, people who are already established in this universe, that kind of thing and how like it functions. And then to have that just immediately cut with straight fear because of what's happening like with the Death Eaters is such a great way to set up that book and pretty much set up like everything moving on forward because from that point on we start to really get to experience the world of like the the magical world and the wizarding world outside of Hogwarts and how Voldemort has affected that because up until this point, we're really only contained in Harry's little bubble, in the Hogwarts bubble, all that kind of thing. And now we see how far out Voldemort's 
claws have sunk and also the repercussions, how far out those have gone too from everything that he's done. So that makes it super interesting. Um, this is also an aspect that has a lot of fan projection. It, it Harry Potter is very bizarre to me, which I, I was almost scared to make this episode because of how much fan lore is out there and the Death Eaters and a lot of the uh, members of the Death Eaters squad, like of Voldemort's like main circle. The fans have created a huge lore around them too. And like, that's awesome. Cool. You guys do that, but like, I'm not going to do that. So I don't really care about any of those characters besides them just being antagonistic characters and driving our protagonists. Um, Voldemort is though, an all-time awesome villain, fictional villain character. And that's like, maybe I'm not so much interested in the Death Eaters as other people on the internet, but I'm not going to pretend like they aren't so super interesting just in and of themselves. I think that they like bring a level of interest that is presented to us. We, we can always go out into the world and create more, but like for me, I'm very satisfied with what I get from them. So I don't really need to, I'm not looking through fanfics for that kind of thing is what I'm saying. So um, I really enjoyed the back and forth between Harry and Voldemort that continues to grow throughout this series and just gets more and more intense. And the way that they are just really into each other's heads towards the end, like Voldemort and Harry are playing straight mind games with each other. And it's just like, it's really cool. And it's really interesting. And to see Harry fight off like Voldemort's weird kind of like trying to bring him in, trying to seduce him over to the dark side and seeing Harry kind of fight that because there is this part of his brain that is Voldemort. So that's also super interesting as well. Um, okay. So those are the bad guys, the big bads. This is already the longest episode I've had so far. So for the next chunk, I'm going to run through all the things I've asked you. And we're going to talk about those kinds of opinions and, um, try to wrap this up without getting into be a full hour of speaking. <laughs> Okay, so to finish up this Harry Potter discussion, I'm going to go over all those questions that I put out to you out on the internet. Um, if you did not see them, follow me on Instagram, either my podcast Instagram, which is read, read, read your heart out, three reads, read your heart out, um, or my personal, which is Ange Suris. I try to post a, as much as I possibly can can on my podcast one, but um, I'll always be posting about the podcast and about things I want to know if I want to ask you guys any questions. So follow me there. Please feel free to reach out to me there as well. Don't feel weird about DMing me. I want to talk about books literally all day, every day. So with that being said, I asked you your houses. I asked you your favorite books or movies, and I asked you your favorite relationships and characters. And um surprisingly Slytherin is my most popular house. I've gotten majority of votes for Slytherin and then Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff and Gryffindor all kind of evened out. So Slytherins you're represented here, even though I'm a Hufflepuff crazy favorite books. I got a lot of chamber of secrets, which I was like mind blown by. I didn't think anyone gave a shit about chamber of secrets, like book or movie wise, but I had a lot of people tell me Chamber of Secrets. And then also Order of the Phoenix was another one, which does not surprise me. Order of the Phoenix is like the largest one, by far has the most lore going on, um, does the most setting up, does the most explanation and deep diving, which I think that just like people love that shit. So that's not surprising. Um, 
Obviously, mine was Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, favorite movies, Deathly Hallows 1 and 2, not surprising there. And then Goblet of Fire and Prisoner of Azkaban. Hello, yes. Goblet of Fire is so underrated. I literally love it so much. Okay, favorite relationships. Now, these got really interesting. My favorite relationship is Harry and Hermione. I think their friendship is so fucking cute. And they have all these awesome moments together throughout the whole series that I just really love. Um I had Hermione and McGonagall, which is so interesting. And I love that as well because they do have a really awesome dynamic. Um, Sirius and Remus as the best relationship. Uh, again, people love those marauders, man. They love them. Um, Harry and Ron is a, such a good one. You know, anything within the trio is a great one. And then I also got Harry and Remus, which I loved as well um, because I think Remus is this secondary father figure to Harry because I know that everyone thinks that Sirius Black is the father figure but I don't know how to tell you people that he's not because one he is dead after like two books so he doesn't even really do anything <laughs> for Harry and two he has those moments of helping Harry out but the fatherly advice aspect of it or any of those other things like Dumbledore and Remus did more of that than Sirius did. So that's why in my head, like Sirius is maybe like number three of father figure people. You could even argue Hagrid if you wanted. I wouldn't, but you could. Okay. So favorite characters, we have Hermione, Obvi, of course, we got Charlie, which was an interesting one. One of the Weasley brothers. Um, he's the dragon tamer, which is really cool. He kind of comes in later more um, with the later books, Harry, obviously. And then we also had Remus, which I totally agree with. I think Remus Lupin is really cool, awesome character who has a lot of dynamic aspects of him from being the werewolf and then all that kind of stuff and then being part of the Order of the Phoenix and all these kinds of things. Um, love that about him as well. So those were some um, opinions from y'all out there on Harry Potter and all those kinds of things. Um, obviously, I could have talked about literally anything in this episode and easily talked about it for an hour. I had to somewhat structure myself. It was a bit difficult, um, but we got there in the end, everyone. And I hope that you guys enjoyed it and didn't get too mad at me because I know that like I am a huge nerd and all that kind of stuff, but I am not so much a huge Harry Potter nerd as I used to be. Like I'm definitely more of a Harry Potter nerd than probably majority of like the people out in the general public, but I, it's not my favorite fantasy series. Sorry. I, I, I love it. It's, and, and that's just like more so saying, not saying that's a bad thing about Harry Potter, but more so just like how much fantasy I read and how much good fantasy I have read in my life Um, that it's able to kind of be pushed out a little bit, but I love Harry Potter. I love this world it creates. And I've said this a lot in other discussions I've had about Harry Potter, but like my really only issue with it is the fact that people don't leave it. And and that is just for me, like I'm always wanting people to 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 branch out and challenge themselves. So like staying in Harry Potter and staying in the Harry Potter universe is all fine and good, but it's not going to really pro progress you that far outside of it because in reality when it comes to like comparing it to other fantasy books harry potter is not really that fantasy laden and a lot of it is not even like made up stuff like if you've read a if you've read lord of the rings if you've read dune if you've even read game of thrones like those authors literally just completely they made up languages they made up complete universes and worlds and all that kind of stuff and like a lot of the jk rowling stuff that she's made like Majority of her magic is just kind of Latin, which is not an issue, but I'm just like, 
there's a big difference. Like her fantasy is not intensive fantasy by really any means. And like her wizarding world stuff can be fantasy. And like it, she made that up and I'm not going to take that away from her. And I'm not trying to shit on Harry Potter because like I've, I spent almost an hour talking about it. I clearly like Harry Potter a lot, but it is not the be all end all of fantasy or of series writing or just book writing in general. I think that it's a amazing jumping off point for readers of any shape and size because Anyone can read Harry Potter. You hear me out there? I don't care. When's the last time you read a book? I don't care if you read books every goddamn day. Anyone can read Harry Potter and enjoy it. It is a completely accessible, awesome fantasy story that can anyone clearly can find connection to anything in. So that is an amazing aspect that I really enjoy about Harry Potter. But, but we do not just have to stay here. We can expand our wings and keep going and see what else is out there because one, there are so many amazing authors that you are missing out on by not branching out of Harry Potter. And two, Harry Potter was got a lot of inspiration from original works and older works and if you've listened to me kind of consistently, you know that this is like a thing I'm very passionate about is giving, paying homage and giving the respect and time to those works that let us have everything we have right now. Like Harry Potter would not exist without a lot of original fantasy series. And the way that I brought up Gandalf before is not for like no reason. Like J.K. Rowling also clearly took a lot of inspiration from fantasy and from other authors as well. And so if you want to be a person who can appreciate not just Harry Potter, but appreciate reading and appreciate books and authors and just like writing in general, then we need to branch out of this world. We need to see what else is out there in the world of reading and the world of fantasy. And so if you've made it all the way to the end of this podcast and now you're kind of like, what the hell? Why are you shitting all over Harry Potter? I promise you I'm not. I'm just saying that I know that you, you, whoever you are, are are capable of moving on from this universe and able to experience maybe a little bit more complex of stories, maybe a little bit longer of stories. Not that Harry Potter's not like plenty long, but just with a bit more big-minded conversations and those kinds of things. Like Harry Potter's very much good and evil, and the lines can be blurred in a few instances and do get blurred in a few instances, but for the most part, it is a very much good and evil story. And there are just so many gray stories out there that I think we would also love if you loved Harry Potter. So with that being said, please enjoy the world of Harry Potter. Love it. If you don't want to leave it, fuck me. Who cares, right? You do whatever you want to do. I don't care. I just like I want to see people succeed and expand as much as humanly possible because I'm all about progress in literally every way, shape, and form. So if you are a Harry Potter person, enjoy your world, stay in it, and who cares what I have to say. If not, you can keep listening to me in other episodes and maybe find some other things that sound fun and interesting to read. Like maybe you go back and check out my fantasy rec episode and see what else I lumped in with Harry Potter as a fantasy series that is really good and worth the read. Um, okay, we've literally pretty much reached an hour of speaking, so I'm going to stop finally talking about Harry Potter. But with that being said... I hope you guys have enjoyed listening so far. The fact that I got to 10 episodes is kind of crazy because I was really unsure about this. Um, it's very weird for me to put shit out here like this and to just kind of speak. And it's gotten a lot easier as the weeks go by, um, but it's still a little bit bizarre. So 
Let me know what you guys thought about anything in this Harry Potter universe, what you think about my opinions. If you'd like to start a fight because you don't agree with me, that's perfectly fine. I will. We don't have to get in like a heated, angry argument, but we can debate, baby. I'll debate all day. I love talking about nerdy shit. So reach out, whether it's my Instagram, my personal answers, or the podcast Instagram, read, read, read your heart out, reach out, follow, you know, do whatever you want to do. Um, But in the meantime, stay safe out there, everybody, no matter what you're doing. I know that we are reaching the end of COVID, which is pretty great. And, you know, thank God the light at the end of the tunnel is there. But there's always shit that can go wrong. So stay safe. Be aware. Um, Treat people with kindness. And as always, read your heart out.